Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And if you haven't been following the Activision Blizzard story with us, well, we've got another twist in the tale for you. All you really need to know for purposes of this video is that Activision Blizzard video game publisher is being sued by the state of California, sued by the federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission investigated by others, class action lawsuits by stockholders, all in respect of whether the company was engaged in pay and hiring and termination discrimination against women, as well as sexual harassment. Now, as you could probably tell from a 30-plus video playlist, Activision Blizzard has had some difficulty as a management team responding to the allegations against it, the various news articles that have come out. And as a part of that story, there has been a burgeoning union organization movement happening at the company that really hit a milestone this past week when the A Better ABK movement distributed union authorization cards authorizing the CWA, the Communication Workers of America, to act as the collective bargaining agent for the company. Now, they're soliciting requests from the employees to get that. If they hit a 30% number, as we talked about in our prior video, they could potentially ask for a secret election. Or if they hit 50%, a majority of the company, plus one, then they could actually go and ask Activision Blizzard to voluntarily recognize the union because all that really matters in the National Labor Relations Act which is what governs these kinds of things, is that a majority want it. When a majority want it and they can prove it to their employer, then the employer really should recognize that union and we move forward as a unionized shop. Now, as you can also guess from the length of this playlist, Activision Blizzard did not sit idly when these union authorization cards were distributed, which leads us to a tweet from Jessica Gonzalez, really the face, the spokesperson of A Better ABK, as I've talked about in prior videos, since she has now left Activision, it's unclear whether she will continue in that role or not. But she tweeted out a union-busting email from Brian Bellotto this morning. What a last day for me. Ha ha ha. And we are, of course, going to be taking a look at the substance of this letter internally distributed at Activision. But before we do, we really have to talk about the response to all of this from various corners of the video game journalism and other spheres uh, because they get some things wrong and they kind of frame things in a way that I don't think is terribly useful to the conversation at hand. Of course, how could I give an intro like that without first starting with Jason Schreier here in ping form because, of course, I'm blocked on Twitter for things that I can't even recall? He says, Activision exec Brian Bellotto, who previously worked for the Trump administration, sent an email to staff this morning saying to consider the consequences of your signature on union cards. Safe to say Activision management is nervous about the burgeoning labor movement. And I don't know whether they're nervous or not. I don't try to read minds like Mr. Schreier does on this question. But certainly for a company like Activision Blizzard that has responded to basically everything that has been written against it or that has happened in the last four months, it's really no surprise that they've taken an active role in responding to this. You can feel how you like about that. But again, we have the Jason Schreiers of the world mentioning whatever administration these folks work from, even though that's really not salient to what this conversation is about. And unfortunately, this is the kind of thrust that you get in the reporting on this matter for a question of significant importance to thousands of people at Activision Blizzard. I've talked about it in the past in this space. I want those employees to decide for themselves whether a union makes sense for them or whether it doesn't. That's what the National Labor Relations Act calls for. 
And I'm not going to put my thumb on the scales on this if I can avoid it. Other folks reporting on this don't really have the same philosophy. Now, this isn't really a reporting entity. This is the CWA itself who says, it's disappointing to see Activision Blizzard management at yet another choice point when they could have done the right thing, double down and continue to take the low road. That sounds bad. I wonder what is in this letter we're going to read. Instead of responding to their workers' concerns, they've opted to blast the most tired anti-union talking points straight from the union-busting script. Union avoidance campaigns waste resources that ABK management could otherwise be using to address serious concerns. It's unclear exactly what they mean with respect to a campaign. What we've got is a email, an internally distributed note right now. I'm not sure that was a lot of resources used by Activision Blizzard as of yet, but... We don't begrudge the actual union trying to get organized. It's right to say these kinds of things. In fact, we would expect it just the same as we would expect Activision Blizzard to have their own thoughts. They continue, such as compensating the victims of sexual harassment. We hope management will come to its senses and see that their only viable path forward is to meet the righteous demands from the initial walkout, including ensuring there is a lasting worker voice in all company matters. And again, I'm not saying a union makes sense or it doesn't make sense. But I always enjoy this kind of language. It's always very kind of fiery pastor speaking about the importance of these kinds of things. Uh, And righteous demands really meets that bar for me. In order to do that, management should commit itself to becoming and remaining neutral. We're going to talk about that in just a second. With regards to any employee organizing efforts, finally, we want to reiterate that Activision Blizzard employees have a right as workers to organize for a work environment free from abuse, and this right is protected by federal labor law. And everybody agrees with that. I don't think even Activision Blizzard disagrees with that, as we'll see in the letter that they write. But to me, all of this is very normal. They're organizing a union. They want to represent these employees. That's a good day for them if they can get those employees under their umbrella And we see exactly what they want of Activision, even though they don't issue a demand by this tweet. And that's a neutrality agreement. If you aren't familiar with how all of this has looked in maybe the last 20 years, there's been an ongoing fight about whether an employer can effectively throw down its arms and agree to be neutral slash help the union organize before there's majority support for that. And we'll talk about why that's a little bit controversial as part of this discussion. It's just important to note that the shift between the Obama administration, then the Trump administration, now the Biden administration, has created a certain amount of tumult here. I pulled up a law firm's summary of this from February of this year, just to give you a kind of taste. We're not gonna go into the specifics, but I think it's important to understand how and why CWA is asking for quote unquote neutrality. The recently appointed acting general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB or board, has issued guidance that he will support pre-recognition neutrality agreements entered into between employers and unions insofar as they are in accordance with the Obama board's decision in Dana Corp. And if you're at all familiar with this kind of law, Dana Corp is one of those that bounces around on all sorts of important issues, including elections after a voluntary recognition and what the rules for that should look like, all sorts of things. Heck, we might wind up making a video on that depending on how this union drive goes. Continuing the article, in Dana Corp, a union represented employees at nine of an employer's facilities and began an organizing campaign at an unorganized facility. So far, so good. The employer and union entered into a framework agreement 
to govern their relationship during the union organizing effort and in the event that the employees chose to be represented by the union. The framework agreement specified that the employer would remain neutral towards its employees regarding organizing and the employer would recognize and bargain with the union if a third party card check showed that a majority of the employees supported representation by the union. So you can see what's happening here, which is they already have a relationship with this union. They kind of know how to negotiate with them. They have points of contact with them. They would prefer if this unorganized facility is going to unionize at all, that it unionize in the same direction as the other plants. But if they're going to go in another direction that they're allowed to do that by law, but this employer wants things to kind of move in the direction where they can coordinate their bargaining facilities. The NLRB's then general counsel issued a complaint alleging that by entering into the framework agreement, the employer had rendered unlawful assistance to the union in violation of Section 8A2 of the National Labor Relations Act, and the union had restrained and coerced employees in the exercise of their Section 7 right to refrain from supporting a union in violation of Section 8B1A of the Act. So what you've got here is this notion, and we're going to talk about it when we look at the law a little bit more, of the National Labor Relations Act, not just protecting employers' rights to talk, not just protecting employees' rights to organize, but also protecting the rights for employers to act against the union, protecting the rights for employees to decide they don't want to unionize. The National Labor Relations Act, written in black and white, is supposed to be facially neutral. We want all sides to be able to talk how they want and for there to be nobody putting their thumb on the scales. But sometimes, especially from the organizing side, we lose track of the fact that employees are supposed to have the right specifically to say, I don't want to unionize, leave me alone. And the argument that was made here is that this kind of neutrality framework agreement was effectively the employer putting pressure on the employees that don't otherwise want a union. Now, during the Obama administration, the board says basically that this stuff is okay. It says it noted that an employer may lawfully agree to remain neutral during an organizing campaign, may agree to voluntarily recognize a union upon proof of majority support, and may state its preferences for unionization. These kinds of agreements are generally okay. That's the Obama administration. Fast forward. 10 years after the Dana Corp decision, the NLRB's general counsel during the Trump administration authorized issuance of an unfair labor practice complaint against a Seattle hotel and union alleging that the hotel violated the act by entering into a neutrality agreement with the union. This is government, ladies and gentlemen. You have these changes in administration for executive agencies. You have new general counsels, new people heading these things. And this is one of those areas where it's getting reversed. And then it's getting reversed again as of the Biden administration putting their people in place. Now, unfortunately, we still don't know exactly what this looks like because this isn't law. It's regulation and board decisions and administrative judges. Or as the law firm says here, discerning precisely what the Dana Corp decision permits is difficult because the board qualified its opinion with we leave for another day the adoption of a general standard for regulating pre-recognition negotiations between unions and employers. There's nothing these kinds of deciding bodies like more than kicking that can down the road and figuring it out later. Unfortunately, makes it a little bit difficult here, but for purposes of this conversation, what's important is that the CWA knows that there is a certain amount of backstopping for neutrality agreements. And rather than having Activision Blizzard go out there with what they are going out there with, I'll talk about that when we get to the letter as part of this video, which is maybe consider not unionizing and let's keep this internal 
they would rather have Activision Blizzard agree to say nothing on any of this. And certainly you can see why the CWA would want that. You can see why it's unlikely that Activision Blizzard will give it. But we're already looking at a series of talking points, whether it's from Jason Schreier or from Jessica Gonzalez or from the CWA here, that suggests that this letter is really bad, doubling down, continuing to take the low road. And this kind of description of what's happening with this letter continues with folks like IGN, obviously one of the biggest news sources in video game that uses this language. While it is unlawful to interfere with employees engaging in union activity, messaging employees about the supposed consequences of unionizing and posturing internal change as a preferable alternative is not uncommon when a business's management is faced with unionization. Now, I objected to basically this entire paragraph in whole. It is fully editorial, right? First of all, the proviso here is strongly suggestive of the fact that maybe this messaging is illegal. Maybe it's unlawful interference. We're going to talk about why it isn't uh, as we discuss in this video. And then they frame what Activision actually says with a couple of well-placed supposed consequences and posturing internal change. I think we can be clear where IGN sits on this question, as clear as we are with respect to Jason Schreier, as clear as we are with respect to half the things you can see on the internet with respect to this. Frankly, as a YouTuber myself, I'm a little bit aghast that I appear to be the most neutral on this rather than the journalists covering these questions, but that's fine. Let's talk about why IGN is wrong. It is one of the topics I've covered in virtual legality before. So IGN uses its proviso here to point out that under the National Labor Relations Act, employers can't interfere with employees when they're looking at joining a labor organization, right? Employees shall have the right to self-organize, to form, join, or assist labor organizations, to bargain collectively through representatives of their own choosing, and to engage in other concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or other mutual aid or protection. Now, I've also highlighted in orange that as we just talked about, the National Labor Relations Act says they shall also have the right to refrain from all of that. They can get out of all of this. You can say, leave me alone, and they should leave you alone for purposes of not violating this particular provision. And it is a violation to get in the midst of this. It shall be an unlawful labor practice for an employer to interfere with, restrain, or coerce employees in the exercise of the rights we were just talking about. And so as far as IGN goes, there's nothing wrong with saying that it is in fact an unfair labor practice to interfere with these rights. The issue is that they're implying that it is in fact interference when you send a message like this. And as you might be familiar with living in the United States, and apologies for those of you that aren't, but you might be familiar with it as well. The First Amendment is still in existence and recognized by the National Labor Relations Act in this very section. Had IGN looked at this and scrolled down, they would see the following. The expressing of any views, argument, or opinion, or the dissemination thereof, whether in written, printed, graphic, or visual form, shall not constitute or be evidence of an unfair labor practice under any of the provisions of this subchapter, if such expression contains no threat of reprisal or force or promise of a benefit. You can't threaten them without talking about the specifics. We'll, we'll see that in a second. And you can't bribe them. Otherwise, we can't write a statute that gets rid of Brian Bellotto's ability to speak his mind about whether a union is a good idea and what this means with respect to card check and everything else. That's the way this law works. That's the way the Constitution works in the United States. 
So when you've got this kind of, hmm, it is unlawful to interfere, but these messages are pretty common, you've got a bad, bad framing device that is really pretty obviously a bad framing device if you look at anything from the National Labor Relations Board or any cases from the last 70 years on these kinds of points, which we can see when we look at those various sources. The National Labor Relations Board, when they talk about interference, what are they talking about? You cannot threaten employees with adverse consequences such as closing the workplace loss of benefits or more onerous working conditions. You can't promise employees benefits if they reject the union. You can't imply a promise of benefits by soliciting grievances from employees during a union organizing campaign. And, and we'll come back to that in just a second. You can't withhold changes in wages or benefits during a union organizing campaign that would have been made had the union not been on the scene, except you can hold everything up. You can pause it as part of this to say, hey, I don't want to influence the union organizing, so we're going to wait on whatever the promotions or raises might otherwise be. But I wanted to highlight this particular one. You can't imply a promise of benefits by soliciting grievances from employees. Understand, you are now in a union organizing campaign, one of the first major ones in the video game industry's history, and Activision Blizzard now, under the shadow of that campaign, can't hold a town hall and ask questions. Hey, what would you like to see fixed? What are your issues? How can we improve X, Y, or Z? I have seen decisions. I have read board orders that get employers in trouble for saying, hey, okay, people are soliciting cards. I didn't realize you were so unhappy. Let's find out what the issue is. Let's fix them because that is viewed as an unfair labor practice that is interfering with the organizing campaign itself. So now in this situation, Activision Blizzard has to be very careful about a lot of things, but it can't ask you what you want to see fixed right now while there is an organizing issue in play. Also, in terms of the First Amendment rights, this has been, as I said, adjudicated for many, many years. You can look at any part of this and see how the court in 1969 looked at the issue. Section 8C, that's that First Amendment talking provision that we were talking about earlier, implements the First Amendment by requiring that the expression of any views, argument, or opinion shall not be evidence of an unfair labor practice so long as such expression contains no threat of reprisal or force or promise of benefit in violation of that section. Section 8A1 in turn prohibits interference, restraint, or coercion of employees in the exercise of their right to self-organization. Those are distinct. Or as the court says here, thus an employer is free to communicate to his employees any of his general views about unionism or any of his specific views about a particular union, so long as the communications do not contain a threat of reprisal or force or promise of benefit. Hey, they could go out and say, I really don't like CWA. I think it's a bad union. I think unions are great. I think unions are poor. Whatever it is that they want to say. He may even make a prediction as to the precise effects he believes unionization will have on his company. However, that prediction must be carefully phrased on the basis of objective fact to convey an employer's belief as to demonstrably provable or probable consequences beyond his control or to convey a management decision already arrived at to close a plant in case of unionization. So you can go and you can tell your folks, look, if this unionizes, then we're going to close one of these subsidiaries if that's already been a decision. Or if you unionize, the costs are going to go in this direction. That's going to limit our ability to hire. You could talk about specific metrics about what you think is going to happen with respect to the company so that folks understand. But if you're Activision Blizzard, you have to be very careful walking that line because you can easily slip into retaliation implications, right? The very next sentence of this is, 
If there is any implication that an employer may or may not take action solely on his own initiative for reasons unrelated to economic necessities and known only to him, the statement is no longer a reasonable prediction based on available facts, but a threat of retaliation based on misrepresentation and coercion, and as such, without protection, either from the provision we looked at or the First Amendment itself. So all of this is blurry lines all the way down, but what is most important just as a baseline is that Activision Blizzard can absolutely talk about this entire process with their employees. And in general, the National Labor Relations Act, the First Amendment, a host of decisions on these questions wants robust debate between employers and employees about what this means to them, as long as it doesn't result in threats, coercion, or bribery. So when you get this kind of stuff from IGN, you get the other implications that you can see in other places online. Apologies for just beating on you, IGN. I know you're not the only ones. You get into an odd situation because if we actually look at this letter, it's just not that interesting. It's not that bad. It's not a low road kind of thing. It's clearly Activision Blizzard electing to say, hey, we would prefer not to be unionized, but it's otherwise fully within the normal scope of these kinds of communications. So let's talk about it. Here's the letter. Everyone at Activision Blizzard, we are working hard to create a more inclusive, supportive, and rewarding environment. And thanks to your input, we are making progress. In the past few months, we've announced that we're converting nearly 500 temporary workers to full-time employees at Activision Publishing Studios. Interesting note on that particular point. If you actually looked at the financial reporting and some other things that people linked to me, this got reported in reverse in a couple of places that Activision had announced that it was eliminating 500 full-time positions or 200, whatever the number was, in various places and replacing them with temporary workers. Activision, even when they're saying good things, can't really win in the court of public opinion or the way these things are being reported. Continuing with this paragraph of nice things they say they have done, we have increased wages for a large portion of temporary workers and added paid time off benefits. We introduced a zero tolerance harassment policy and waived required arbitration of sexual harassment and discrimination claims. And again, the zero tolerance policy somewhat under question after the Wall Street Journal's Bobby Kotick article came out. We have made significant commitments to increase gender diversity and are dedicating $250 million to accelerate opportunities for diverse talent across the industry. We have more to do, and we believe that direct dialogue between management and employees is essential to the success of Activision Blizzard. So this second paragraph, the first thing that they really want to talk to their employees about is, look, all of these nice things we've done, we're making changes, we're getting better. And of course, if you want to be cynical about that, and Activision Blizzard hasn't necessarily covered itself in glory in the last four months, you can look at that and say, sure, under the shadow of pending litigation, horrible expose articles, and more, you did a few things to help change the culture of your company. Now, benefit of the doubt, you want to be devil's advocate for Activision. You say, okay, yes, they didn't move until these investigations really came into full swing and all this stuff came out about them, but they did in fact move. They're trying to address certain issues. And at the end of the day, hey, if they made, did bad things, you want to see an organization like this try to correct itself. And yet, obviously, the trust reserves, I think, at Activision amongst a lot of stakeholders, whether it's customers, employees, or otherwise, feel like they're pretty darn low. So I don't blame anybody for looking at that paragraph and saying, sure, sure, absolutely, Activision. As you may have seen yesterday, there was a communication supported by the Communications Workers of America that asked employees to sign and submit union authorization cards. I want to be clear about this. Here are the lawyers. The leadership of Activision Blizzard supports your right under the National Labor Relations Act to make your own decision about whether or not to join a union, as they must. It's federal law. As you make this decision for your future, 
We ask only that you take time to consider the consequences of your signature on the binding legal document presented to you by CWA. We're going to talk about this paragraph, so don't worry. Once you sign that document, you will have signed over to CWA the exclusive right to represent you for the purposes of collective bargaining concerning all terms and conditions of employment. That means that your ability to negotiate all your own working conditions will be turned over to CWA, just as the document says. So this paragraph's a bit strong. This is the closest, in my opinion, this Activision Blizzard letter gets to not lying exactly, but potentially misframing what's happening here. So what we're talking about when we're talking about a card check is finding yourself approving a collective bargaining agent for you at whatever employer you might be working on. Here, Activision Blizzard. As we've talked about, if 30% of the members of a bargaining unit, and that gets more complicated, so we'll leave that for another video, actually agree to this, sign one of these authorization cards, then that union can ask for a secret ballot to see if there is a 50% uptake in that bargaining unit. However, if 50% just sign the cards, then they can turn that majority of cards in to the National Labor Relations Board or even just to Activision, and Activision can voluntarily recognize the union. So what the Activision letter is saying, that these are legally binding, they're legally important, is fully accurate. If you go and look at a standard kind of CWA organizing representation authorization card, you see what it looks like. Here it asks for your name, it asks for your address, some contact information, where you're employed by, and then in terms of legally operative, it says, I hereby designate the Communication Workers of America as my collective bargaining representative. And that's what the National Labor Relations Act is interested in. It wants to give power to employees when it's a majority of them in one of these bargaining units, an employer, to say, I want to be represented by a specific person, group, union to bargain collectively on the employee's behalf. So this is all normal, but it's also worth noting that even though this is legally operative, calling it binding may be a little bit too far because the National Labor Relations Act and the National Labor Relations Board is really most interested in making sure that the employees at one of these places actually want to be represented by the Communication Workers of America, whatever other union you might imagine. And so, there can be situations where you can revoke your card, your authorization, whatever it might look like. And I can't claim, by the way, that this is what the Activision Blizzard employees are facing. A lot of these will look different. Digital card checks have changed some aspects of these kinds of things. I don't know exactly what they're being asked to sign, but the primary thing that they will be asked to say is that they want CWA to be their collective bargaining representative. But you can pull cards. We've seen this in the past. There's a essentially a kind of doctrine that says, if we can't figure out what the employees actually want, we're not going to force a union on everybody. Here's one important decision from the early 2000s, says the board, that's the National Labor Relations Board, adopted an administrative law judge's decision that the respondent violated the various sections of the act. How? By recognizing and signing a contract containing a union security clause with District 6, one of these unions, at a time when District 6 did not represent majority of its employees. We talked about this earlier in the playlist, but Activision can't just recognize a union where it doesn't represent the will of the employees. That's why it was a problem 
early on for a better ABK to ask for voluntary recognition when there was no reason to believe they represented a majority. The respondent accepted only to the judge's application of the board's dual card doctrine, which it contended is no longer valid precedent in finding that the respondent violated the act. The respondent recognized District 6 on the basis of authorization cards signed by 17 of 28 unit employees. The judge found that the charging party, Hotel and Allied Services Local 758, obtained cards from nine of those employees who had signed cards for District 6 before the respondent recognized District 6. They wrote, the employees, by signing the local 758 cards, intended to clearly repudiate their District 6 membership and to support local 758 as their bargaining representative effectively instead. Thus, the judge held that the dual cards preclude a finding that District 6 cards represent the unambiguous choice of those employees. So again, all of this is facts and circumstances based, but what the act and the board and everyone is really concerned with is that the employees have actually shown evidence that they want to be represented by this particular union, this particular collective bargaining representative. And if there are things that call that into question, such as signing mutually exclusive documents to that proposition, the National Labor Relations Board starts going, well, those first cards don't count. We can't really count either cards. We need to either do this again or get some specific language in one or more of these documents that establish what these employees actually want. Or as this last paragraph says, there have been instances from various members of the board that suggest that a dual card is actually authorization for both, but it wasn't in this case because the second card explicitly revoked the previous card. So even though you've got a situation like what the CWA forms say, which is just, I hereby designate, there's no reference to termination. There's no reference to revocation or anything like that. Chances are this looks a little bit different in terms of what the Activision Blizzard employees are actually looking at. But even though it doesn't mention those things, if there's another document, if there's a revocation document sent in by one of these employees, if there's a different union that they would prefer to have represent them and they send in a different card, you start to get into a situation where this becomes a morass. And so it is binding, it is important, it is legally operative, but it doesn't mean you've turned everything over to CWA at this point in time. So it's at bare minimum a little bit obfuscatory, even though the language of the card itself probably doesn't say any of what we've just talked about. And even though employers themselves can get into trouble with this kind of stuff. We've got other decisions, right, that says the employer's in trouble for not recognizing a union, even though we see here there's a petition three months before the end of a collective bargaining agreement for an existing union that the employer received asking from a majority of its workforce that they didn't want to be represented by the union anymore. So the employer says, okay, fine. Union then gathers a separate document canceling the petition the day before, and the board, the National Labor Relations Board, advised that the effective date of the withdrawal of recognition was actually end of that collective bargaining agreement. And so the employer could not rely upon the petition or at best, the employer had conflicting evidence of support of the union, which would warrant filing of an RM petition, which we could see here, which is effectively telling the board, I have no idea. Employer petitioner or the employer petitioner has a good faith uncertainty about majority support for an existing representative. We've already entered into a union. We don't know whether they're trying to pull it. We can't figure it out. You have to send in a petition to the board to say, help us. We don't know. And these situations are all based on 
facts and circumstances, what the card actually says, what a second document might actually say, which is why this paragraph is designed by Activision Blizzard to sound a little bit more significant than the card check process actually is. Keeping in mind, of course, that if they get 50% plus one, or more likely, if they get 60%, some number that is clear that they can go to Activision Blizzard, the fact that one or more employees sign those cards and may think of revoking it later doesn't matter because they can actually go ask for that voluntary recognition at a majority. Now, we can also get into more specific stuff, which is that when you voluntarily recognize a union, you can still have an election afterwards on different time frames. Dana Corp is exactly one of those questions could come up again if it came to it in this particular set of affairs. But I don't want to go over it right now because it's ultra complicated. It involves a whole nother set of doctrines and we'll cross that bridge if and when we came to it. You could potentially fight a voluntary recognition in certain circumstances. So this paragraph is as close as I get. I think Activision gets to lying. It's not quite lying, uh, but it is certainly making it seem like it is a stronger thing that you're doing signing that card, presumably to incentivize or to encourage folks to not sign that card. They continue, achieving our workplace culture aspirations will best occur through active, transparent dialogue between leaders and employees that we can act upon quickly. That is the better path than simply signing an electronic form offered to you by CWA or awaiting the outcome of a legally mandated and regulated bargaining process sometime in the future which is to say, hey, we should handle this internally. We can be more agile. We can address your concerns better than if there is a middleman in the way, standard kind of argument in respect of unions, nothing really wrong there. Certainly Activision Blizzard is taking the pose that the union will be worse for the employees than having it. And I, you, don't, you don't know. The employees are going to be making this decision about how they feel about CWA, what they're hearing from CWA, what they're hearing from their management. One of the issues Activision Blizzard has here is that there likely isn't a lot of trust for a lot of the things they are saying after the last four months they've had. But all of these things aren't really what I would characterize as a low road. They're the standard argument to be made that says, hey, you don't need a middleman. You don't need to pay dues. We can handle this internally. Whether or not you believe them is going to be up to those employees. If we fail to achieve the workplace goals we have set forth, if we fail to do the things we've committed to doing, then of course, you will still always have the right to engage with and vote for CWA but we are confident that we will make the progress we've previously pledged to make and create a workplace with you all that we can all be proud of. And this is the play for time, right? Hey, we're only addressing this stuff now, which is its own kind of damning admission, I suppose, in a specific point of view, but we're only doing it now. Give us time. Give us a chance to see if these things play out. And if they don't, then you can sign with CWA later. There's no reason to do it today. So we've got, hey, that's a serious document you're about to sign. It's going to create a middleman that's going to position us in a place to wait for legally mandated and regulated bargaining processes instead of responding to your needs immediately. And hey, you should just give us the time to see if this all works because we're changing management. We're doing these various things. We're paying for other things. And if we don't do it right and you're unhappy with us, then vote for CWA later. As always, we welcome outreach with concerns or ideas to help make improvements. And there are multiple avenues internally for dialogue, both direct and anonymous. I see nothing in this letter. And I don't make claims for the National Labor Relations Board or administrative judges, and they could rule in different ways, of course. But I don't see anything personally in this letter that is a threat, that is a bribe, anything like that. This is essentially informational. And as we talked about in the National Labor Relations Act itself, 
Activision Blizzard is entitled and in fact, in places encouraged to have these communications with employees so that they can better understand the consequences of their decisions. Regardless, whether they're good, whether they're bad, CWA can make its pitch, Activision Blizzard can make its pitch. And if you wanna frame this as union busting, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Activision Blizzard would clearly prefer to not be a unionized workplace. And they're sending this letter in an effort to get you to not sign those card authorizations but it's not the kind of union busting that I think that term is most closely associated with in people's brains, right? It's not breaking picket lines with water hoses. It's not that kind of thing. It's Activision Blizzard making its point, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to give them the benefit of the doubt or not, and I don't blame anybody who doesn't, through the very standard method of talking to their employees. That's the situation as I see it right now. If you enjoy this kind of content, if you see value in it, please consider supporting the channel at Patreon. We have other ways to support us also listed below or just subscribing, telling your friends, sharing these videos around. I understand these videos are getting shared around in a number of places. I'm very appreciative of those efforts. Every little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.